0: Well, spring has sprung and the sun is out for longer and before you start worrying about bikini season or perhaps some some extra support that you might have needed over those long winter months, I want you to stop and pause and just be so happy that you are having this listen because we are going to change all of that and we are going to work on our relationship with ourselves on an even greater scale with the interview that I'm sharing today. I'm really grateful to have had Kiki Athanas in the Juggle is Real podcast space because she is such a genuine light and positive energy when it comes to helping women especially create a better relationship with themselves, regain their worthiness, and you know, maybe mend some broken fences around eating and food, what's good, what's bad, and just what's going to work for us. So Kiki, wow, she helps smart women like yourself conquer emotional eating and practice healthy, balanced eating with consistency and ease. Even in the face of life's challenges, she is the creator of the gut-brain integration method that helps women take control of their cravings and their hunger so eating no longer feels like an internal battle and they are finally able to shed any of that excess fat that they might have been holding on to. And in fact, she has worked with hundreds of women to free themselves from that nonstop perpetual thinking about food and has helped them turn it into a naturally balanced person and that beautiful relationship with women who are confident and feel good about being in their bodies. This conversation was beautiful, really enlightening, and helped me understand how my relationship with food and eating has changed over the years. I look forward to getting your insights and hearing how you love this one, but for now, let's just dive right in. Welcome to the Juggle is Real podcast. I'm your host, Andreana Gonko. A few years ago, burnout nearly cost me that happy, fulfilled life that I'd always dreamed of. Every day left me feeling overwhelmed with stress at work, at home, and just with life in general. I felt like I was constantly running and couldn't catch my breath. So I embarked on a journey of finding better balance, of learning how to prioritize my own needs, of shifting my mindset to live with more ease and balance, of learning how to do more without the pressure of doing it all. And I discovered that letting go of the need for a perfect life opened up opportunities to bring in more joy. So I am sharing my experience and my learnings with you so that you don't have to struggle. I wanna show by example how liberating and empowering it can be to silence expectations to learn how to live through the chaos of work and family with grace, joy, and ease. So what do you think? Are you with me? Let's get started. Kiki, welcome to the Juggle is Real podcast. How
1: are you doing today? Thank you so much. I am doing amazing today. Actually, I've just been on sort of vacation the past uh, month or so, so I'm really happy to be back in my apartment and chatting with you.
0: You know what? There's no place like home. Although I, you know, for those who can't see you, you have this beautiful glow happening. I don't know if you were somewhere (laughs) hot, but I feel like it's like the, the rest vibes, the relaxation vibes. It's just shining through. You look so wonderful. And I'm so happy that we're having this conversation because I think that it's so important that we revisit this, these things often and, you know, sometimes we can forget, especially maybe after a long winter, maybe the weather starting to warm up, we see that spring has sprung and we are quick to remember that bathing suit season is around the corner. And for some of us that can conjure up feelings of anxiety or stress or perhaps um, guilt or judgment. And I would love to just have this conversation with you in a way that is, um, you know, more comforting and allows us to not have these negative associations with with eating, with our bodies, with, you know, moving into different seasons. And I think that you are such a, the perfect person to speak to about this. So before we dive into all of that, can you just start by just sharing a little bit and telling us about yourself?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, so I currently work with women around that very topic um, from various eating issues, I call them. Um, Some, some women subscribe to having eating disorders, but I know for myself, I probably did very much have one, but I never really labeled myself as like eating disorder. Um, But I always just sort of had food issues. And it stems from exactly what you were talking about, just even that topic of, you know, bathing suit season, and just having so much invested in how I looked, um, that I really lost side of how I felt and um, I struggled with with that for over a decade and now I'm so blessed to really be on the other side of it and I get to help women um you know come on over to the good side uh too and I uh right now I live in Mexico which is super fun and perhaps is the reason for the glow and uh but I also have other interests I I love fashion and interior design and um, yeah I'm really blessed to live um, what I like to call a very happy life and uh, and hope to inspire other women to to get in a similar place although it's different for everyone um, but just that that place of freedom and for me uh, a key component was within that was you know truly freeing myself from the prison of diets and food that I was stuck in.
0: Okay. So that's really good. And you know what? I, I can relate so much and I'm sure so many of us can um, to, uh, to no fault of anyone in particular. I can remember growing up thinking that you know, dieting and having sort of a negative relationship with food was just the norm and looking to things like, you know, magazines or television. And of course, you know, I'm myself with these things, but it's like, you know, there was no TikTok or social media when, when I was younger and in those really important, you know, pre-adolescent and adolescent years where there's so much just impressed on you and you just soak up the external environment. And so I, I have run the gamut in the things that I've tried, in the ways that I've tried to change my body, the ways that I felt unhappy with with my body and using eating as a way to try to Fix what I thought was wrong with me, and it 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 stems from so many different areas, and that's why I love that we're having this conversation. Now, you mentioned briefly that you sort of had some issues yourself. I'm I'm just curious, how did your own personal journey then lead you to helping others who who might be experiencing issues with food right now?
1: Yeah, well, I will share it from a place of I used to think or while I was in my journey, so to speak, I thought I was the only one that was going through this sort of thing, because I was in the wellness world. I was working in wellness, I was working for a wellness startup, um, I was sort of the the face of a lot of different health food restaurants, companies. And so everyone looked to me as, oh, Kiki's healthy. She knows about health. Like she's an inspiration in wellness, right? But behind the scenes, while it all started with a genuine passion for health and wellness, it really took a turn uh, a couple years in while I was in university, I started to get a lot of Um, social validation around becoming a little bit slimmer. um, And, and I sort of just took it on as, oh, okay, this is my identity. I'm healthy. I'm slim. And, you know, everything's great until it really started to consume me and food was no longer like, "Hmm, what's going to help me feel great and look great. It was oh my God, like, you know, I shouldn't have dinner or I can only eat, you know, this particular green at this particular time. And um, it became uh, a full-time job. Just, you know, all of my thoughts were consumed with thinking about eating or thinking about not eating. And, um, and there's now a term for it and it's called orthorexia. And it's essentially an obsession with clean eating. And uh, while I was going through it, it was only just emerging this disorder's name, so to speak. So um, there were people that were like, oh, you know, is she anorexic or does she have an eating disorder? But what I think is really important to note, because I know that a lot of women go through this, you know, it's just because you're not necessarily starving yourself or, um, you know, throwing up or doing kind of the more uh, so to speak, old-fashioned kind of dieting, um, eating disorder approaches. That doesn't mean that you don't have some form of disordered eating, and not to say that that's your identity. Um, but we do have to acknowledge where we're at, and that was very much how it was for me. Um, and I lived with that for years. And and that's the other thing. You can not right. You can sort of be a functioning um, orthorexic, and I very much was. And it served me well for several years until um, all of the deprivation thoughts, even though I was never depriving myself of food, but I was depriving myself of certain kinds of foods at certain times, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It eventually led to binging and um, overeating episodes, and um, and that's when I really was like, okay, maybe it's time that I tackle this um, because. It's, it's no longer giving me net benefit. Right. Um, I'm, I started even gaining weight because I couldn't manage probably because my hormones were totally whacked. Um, and I developed really severe IBS. And it was just like, wow, okay, I'm obsessed with food. I'm making my whole life about it. And yet I have really horrible digestion. I'm gaining weight. My skin is breaking out all the time and I can't even, all of that, and I can't even eat a slice of pizza, you know, I might as well, um, you know, just if I'm going to have all those negative effects anyways, I wish I was just eating what I wanted. And so that was really where my journey began. And when I finally accepted that like, okay, this is something that I want to move on from.
0: Right. Wow. That. Thank you for sharing that. I know that there's so many little parts of that. I think that you know really resonate with so many of us. And I think that you know, for me, I can remember just being consumed by by eating and and what I wasn't going to eat, so to speak. You know. And so I I, I can remember that, and it, it was many years ago. But it it you know it brings up memories and it conjures these feelings of like you know, not being enough or being quote unquote bad. If you, you know, eat a piece of bread or something, you know, like these things that we're taught that are quote unquote good or bad based on how you look um, or, you know, the, the, the number on the scale. And so I appreciate that you're sharing that. Now I want to talk about intuitive eating, but before I do, you touched on orthorexia And that is might be a little bit newer for some people who aren't in the space that that you're in in, and helping others for myself. I call myself a recovering perfectionist, Um, you know, after experiencing burnout, I really had to revisit what it meant for me to live a more intentional and mindful life. And so all areas of my life had to shift and make adjustments, you know, and so um how I nurture my body is a way of how I care for my body now. So as I, you know, had to recover from being the the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect woman, the perfect everything, I really had to change my thought pattern. So I would love to hear your thoughts on how perfectionism can create challenges with food, with our bodies. Um, Does this tie in to orthorexia? Oh my goodness,
1: so perfectly. And actually, one of my previous websites, I've since updated it, but the domain was actually the ex perfectionist. And I think there's still a part of my <laughs> program in some of the sheets. It's like for recovering perfectionists, right? Because yes, that's really what it is. It's um, this perfectionism around food, right? Because we, um, it's this desire to control, to perfect. and. Um, You know, again, it serves us well in in the sense of like, you know, I, I was always disciplined and you probably were too with school or whatever. And then as young women, we're then faced with food. And it's something else that we can perfect and obsess over and make sure that we're doing everything right. And there's definitely no shortage of rules and regulations around, as you say, what's good, what's bad. And so it's just in our nature as perfectionists to, you know, perfect the way that of course we eat. And um, what we have to catch is when it turns from this place of, oh, I want to optimize the way that I look and feel, which is totally a wonderful place to be coming from, because it's coming from a place of love, um, to then it just becoming this completely head driven, head brain driven, um strategy that it takes us out of our body and uh you know completely into our mind and unfortunately with food we don't have a stomach in our head brain so we never get full so we never get it never turns off right but if we're continuously operating from the stomach then you know we can feel those those visceral sensations in our stomach of when we're hungry and then they turn off when we're full right and Um, You know, unfortunately, when it's just all driven by this head perfectionism, it it does start to consume us because we don't get those signals that that essentially turn it off. But yes, you absolutely nailed it with perfectionism.
0: That's so interesting. I I have written things before and, and kind of touched on sort of like the buffet of life and how sometimes we think that we can do more than we actually can. Right. And it's like, when you go to a a buffet restaurant, you think you see all of these foods, you think you can have everything you think you can, you know, you think you're so hungry. And then of course, you know, with a buffet or an all you can eat, whatever, it ends up being that you're just stuffing yourself silly and you have no room, just like in life, when you add too much to your plate, like that, it's, you know, impossible to, to do everything and to manage everything properly. So now I would love to just shift into intuitive eating. Can you can you share this because I feel that this has made such a positive impact in so many aspects of my life. Not just my physical health and well-being, but you know from a mental perspective, just in in my lifestyle and overall happiness. I think that it has helped me in so many different ways. So Can we just, can you just share, just tell us a little bit more about what this is. You kind of touched on it, but I would love to, um, to talk more about this and then how we can sort of take action from an intuitive approach.
1: Totally. And intuitive eating is now such a trendy topic and everyone has their (laughs) own and and, and, you know, it's, it's so funny because all of these things that are now becoming trendy, it's just really getting back to getting back to basics. Right. And that's what intuitive eating is.
0: Um, And now, is that what you call it with, with the people that you work with? Or do you have a different term for it? Or how can we use sort of this umbrella term to describe what it is that you're helping people with?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Because here's the truth. I use intuitive eating as it relates to, you know, my marketing and my videos, et cetera, Because that's what most people know it as. With that said, I, intuitive eating or mindful eating never really worked for me when I was in my disordered eating, because I felt like I was taught it in a way that was very like, Oh, just love yourself, eat what you want. Right. And when we're truly suffering from any sort of disordered eating or, you know, very severe emotional eating or out of order eating, as I call it then just someone kind of being like, oh, just, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, love yourself, eat what you want, doesn't help. Because yeah, maybe we can do it for a couple of days or whatever, but eventually that perfectionism within us is going to take hold and we're like, okay, back to a diet, back to some sort of structure, framework, whatever. Yes, and so yeah. uh, my particular approach, I call it the gut-brain integration method. And it's a very structured recording method i never asking clients to record what they're eating because that is fully and completely their choice. Um, but it's really about recording the feelings that's coming up in their stomach. So my approach to intuitive eating is really honoring the innate boundaries of the body, which are hunger and taste. So always waiting for hunger and, and then of course, honoring it when it comes up and then also honoring taste what actually tastes good to us we have taste buds for a reason we actually have taste buds all over our body and so you know while most of us have been trying to train ourselves out of uh you know eating foods that taste good to us we actually want to lean more into that um and that's oftentimes the hardest component for women to accept at least on the outside it's like okay yeah waiting for hunger that makes sense like for sure, but eating the foods that taste good, like that sounds too rebellious. And the good thing is, is once you really do tap into and strengthen your taste buds, um, we're not going to be craving, I don't know, like processed chocolate cake from the dinky supermarket down the street. Like we're going to, for the most part, be craving nutritious foods, but we have to allow ourselves to become for, to allow them to become wants rather than should, because if we, you know, I see even with some approaches to intuitive eating now that it's still like, Oh, just eat whole foods. And it's like, no, that's still deprivation. We're still coming from this place of like, well, This is good and this is bad. And when we put ourselves in any form of deprivation, even if it's greenwashed or whatever washed, to seem like it's, you know, kind of healthy or, um, you know, just more of a lifestyle shift, we really have to be careful because ultimately we have to be coming from a place of abundance and from a place of I can have whatever it is, you know, whenever I want. um, And really maximizing the abundance of pleasure in your body and that means waiting for hunger because you know something won't taste good and won't feel good for you if you're not hungry right or at least not as good as it can right so Mm -hmm. um my approach to intuitive eating is is really honoring those two boundaries um and 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 yes of course there's been there's going to be the odd occasion when we eat when we're not necessarily hungry but we always have to at least allow for there being room in our stomach and um, especially for those on a journey of, of recovery it does mean having a structure and a framework and it's not just like oh just eat the bagel you're worth it um, because you know maybe that works for some but i for one i didn't want to give up my desire to be healthy and to be slim And that doesn't mean that, you know, we all need to be French models or anything like that. But it's okay if you have an aesthetic pursuit that is, oh, I don't want excess storage on my body. Um, And I think that there's a lot in the world now of intuitive eating where it's like, oh, like, who cares? Like, F the man sort of thing. Um, I think that works for some people. It didn't for me. I was not willing to be like, oh, I don't care how my body looks. Um, I do care. And I still care. And I work with clients that that care, and I don't shame them for that. Um, I don't think uh, I don't in in my personal opinion, with my personal work, I don't think that that's anything bad that they just have to get over and find self love within. um, Because the body genuinely wants to be healthy, and it doesn't want excess storage, we all have different shapes and sizes, of course, but but excess storage is if you're uh, saving for a famine, and most of us are not going to be facing a famine in the near future. So there's no need
0: That's so great to hear because i I do think also, like with everything, all of the different dieting trends and exercise regimes and, what's good and what's bad you know intuitive eating is just perhaps to some just another one of those fads or trends that is popping up that is just yet another thing or something for someone to worry about or to feel guilty about that they're not doing or that they're not you know um honoring themselves in a particular way and it can add even more pressure in in some cases you know so i appreciate that you can recognize that there is going to be a different path depending on, you know, how, you know, that person was feeling prior or what their, their routines or what their, their restrictions were leading up to making a shift, but also that people can still want to attain certain goals. You know, if you, if you still want to, you know, fit into clothing that you wore perhaps pre-pregnancy, or you still want to, you know, um, be healthy in in a certain way, that is still okay. And it's, it's certainly attainable in, in my case, when, when I learned to love myself first, love myself unconditionally, the intuitive eating just came naturally. It wasn't something that I was um, really striving for. I wasn't, you know, out there saying I'm going to start intuitive eating, but it just made a lot of sense to, yeah, eat when I'm hungry and choose the food that I'm actually interested in at that moment. And it could be a slice of pizza or it could be, you know, a big giant salad or it could be, you know, I don't know, some organic kale smoothie. It's never that. I'll just say that. I don't, I'm not a (laughs) smoothie fan. I don't, I don't have a sweet tooth. So I just don't, I don't care about that. But it could be. And if it was in that particular place, then yes, I would go for that. But what I've noticed is that my, my body shape and size has Pretty well stayed the same as when I was very strict in 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 what I was counting calories or following a very strict diet and a very very um, particular exercise regime. It's it's pretty well the same, and I feel better overall. So I I just I say this because like you I don't I don't know that everyone understands really how it could work for them and there's so many different ways that the shoe can fit. So for for those who perhaps aren't sure, or maybe now through this conversation, they're realizing that maybe they have some type of, um, disordered eating that's happening. Maybe they're realizing, you know, what all of these diets maybe aren't healthy for me, or they've caused, you know, undue stress in my life. Maybe I'm emotionally eating or binging or that type of thing. Are there certain flags or certain triggers? What would you look out for? Or what, what can, what, would you say to someone who's kind of in that place and space where they're not quite sure what their relationship is at the moment?
1: Yes. I'm so happy that you asked that. So essentially, if there's any sort of thinking about eating beyond, of course, like we live in a, like there has to be an element of practicality. Like we have to go to the grocery store and think about what we want. Like there is some thoughts to food, but if you feel like you spend more amount of time than you should. And you know, deep down, right, you have to kind of like check in and just ask yourself, honestly, am I thinking about eating or food more often than not? Because that is the tell the telltale sign, right? And I think it's super important to recognize, as you say, as intuitive eating is becoming trendy. I think some people that may not actually suffer with any sort of disordered eating or any sort of poor relationship with food, they're like, "Ah, am I intuitive eating? It's like, if you're not, if you're always eating based on you know again maximizing the abundance of pleasure in your body you're 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 leaning into choices that feel good for you you're honoring hunger because that's what feels good right then you're doing it like no worries like move on right like go move into some other thing um but if you feel like ah, you know what like all I do is I, I time my eating. Um, I know that intermittent fasting is is really trendy now too, and I'm not against it because the premise of it is good. It's essentially the whole purpose is for us to use up the food that we're that we've eaten, right? And then wait until it's used up before we eat again. Do we have to follow any particular you know number of hours of fasting versus not? No, right? It, it really is just trying to get us back to our innate rhythm around. Eating and digesting. Um, and so if you feel like, oh, well, I have to have my smoothie at this time, or you're planning your, your, your meals, your meal timing, all of that jazz. Um, and essentially, if this is causing you any anxiety, then that is a, a red flag that, you know, there's some work that can be done so that you can free up time and space in your life that you can you know chill out and do nothing or do a side project or just enjoy your life more because I know for myself and and my clients that it's like wow so much space opens up in life that you were otherwise filling with either eating or thinking about eating or thinking about how much you ate um and yes. uh, you know, Food is meant to move us forward and carry us forward and, and fuel our lives, not consume it.
0: I love that you're saying that because now I think that many of us may have some assumptions that in order to see results, even with our relationships with food, our relationships with eating, That it's it's gonna be hard, it has to be difficult, it's gonna require so much extra time, you know. And what you're saying is that it's going to create space for you. And I love that, but especially, you know, with all of you know, some some diet culture or you know, we have to do extensive meal prep. And in order to be healthy, we have to chop. I'm really throwing it down on kale. I don't know why
1: <laughs> days, 40 yeah. heads of kale
0: <laughs> a week, you know, and make overnight oats and quinoa, everything, but it has to be difficult and it has to be extensive. And we have to be like really strict about, it and it's going to be hard. So I appreciate that. What you're saying is that with a different approach with this sort of shift that it's actually going to free up space. And the, the mental load of motherhood is so so heavy at times. And for anyone who is, you know, in a, a space or a place where they're, you know, running a household, or perhaps they have a very demanding career, their schedules are very full. Um, You know, there's a lot of extracurricular activities, there's always, you know, a, a time crunch happening. And so whenever I hear, we can free up some you know, it might not be hours of time, but even that mental space of not even having to worry about it or have that constant dread and, or, you know, guilt or just the thought consuming us. I think that is so freeing and so incredible to hear. So I, I really and truly appreciate your emphasis that practicing this sort of, you know, healthy or balanced eating, being consistent, that it can come with ease. I'm all about the ease. And so what advice would you give? For those, the people with full schedules, busy working parents, people who are listening, they want to make a change. They may, might want to shift into this, but where do we begin?
1: Where do we start? Okay. So here is where I have all my clients start. And um, so the first week of um, oftentimes working with a client, we're simply tracking, okay, how present are you with your meal times, right? And I call mm-hmm. them eating occasions because it also with snacks, right? We, we often think of you know, mindful eating as it relates to dinner. <laughs> but guess what? It should relate to when you, went you go open your fridge and you wanna pop a grape in your mouth. Like that's an eating occasion, right? And so, um, you know, are you on the go? Are you eating while you're driving? Are you eating while you're on a Zoom? Are you sitting? Are you standing? Are you present, right? And just collect that data. And so anyone listening um, right now, it's like even just for the next couple of days, collect the data with zero judgment, with zero like I'm gonna change. But just from a place of, okay, where's my baseline right now? How present and mindful am I with my meals already? And it doesn't need to be like, you know, you get out the Palo Santo, like, you know, create a ritual around it or anything like that. It's just a matter of like, are you sitting down and can you actually be present to your food? It is as simple as that. Um, and then from there, oftentimes, whether uh, women say at the beginning, oh, yeah, no, I'm pretty good, or if they acknowledge, like, no, I definitely can do some work with that, they always come back and they're like, wow, <laughs> I'm really not mindful with my eating. I'm really not present to a lot of it. And so, okay, wonderful. Does it feel good for you to set the intention to be more present with your meals? And um, so that's kind of that first step. And then we move into really honoring um, hunger and, and waiting for hunger. And and what is a, a lot of women have fear around even getting to hunger because there's this, there's perhaps non-value based beliefs or what many people now call limiting beliefs around you know, um, what hunger means they're nervous for it to come up. Like, oh my goodness. We oftentimes I even felt it. It's almost like, oh my God, like if I get hungry and then I can't eat in that moment, cause I might be busy. Like, it's almost like we think like I might drop dead. Right. But it's like, <laughs> probably not right. Like you'll probably survive. Right. And so not to say that we, the goal is for us all to starve ourselves all the time. Absolutely not. But we have to appreciate that Hunger is um, a feeling in the body and it's not negative or positive, right? It's a calm Mm -hmm. thing. And um, if we think about, you know, when we're on vacation and, you know, everything is right in the world and then we feel hunger, we're not like hangry, right? We're not like, oh my God, I'm going to rip this person's head off if I don't get a burger. We're like, oh, I'm hungry, right? I'm going to go to the restaurant and eat something. And that's hunger, right? But oftentimes in our really hectic uh, lifestyle we have stress and then we have a little bit of hunger and then we're like blaming everything on the hunger and so it's really about separating okay you know um, I'm gonna deal with the stress and then I'm gonna deal with the hunger but I'm not blaming hunger for every problem in my life and recognizing that it can come up um, you know and so I use the hunger scale with my clients and I say, you know, we, it's best to eat when you're at a two, when you're actually hungry, right? So that you can enjoy the meal. This isn't from a place of, oh, got to wait for hunger because that's the only appropriate time to eat. It's more so like, when is the food going to taste best for you? We don't need to take ourselves to a point of like starvation or fasting or anything like that. We just want to take ourselves to a point where food is going to give us the most pleasure right when we're chemically prepared to digest food that means that there's a grumble in our belly or some form of you know feeling where it's like oh yeah like it's i'm ready to eat um and so that would be kind of i don't want to give it all away so to speak and don't want to overwhelm listeners but i feel like those two key things would be a great place to start really um and taking some inventory of how mindful you are with your eating right now. and you know, from there, maybe making some choices yourself to be, okay, I'm gonna get more present with my with my eating. And then I'm also gonna um, set the intention to allow myself to get to hunger so that I can I can appreciate my food and, and eat more in order. Um, those two things alone can be very trans transformative. Um, you know, for anyone looking to whether they're suffering with disordered eating or whether they're just kind of looking to feel more empowered um, with their food choices. And notice how I've never mentioned gluten, dairy, or any of the things that we all like to, to you know, poo poo, because it really is less about the food. And it's more about um, honoring the feeling inside of your body. And I, I mean to say that without Sounding so woo woo of like oh just go with the feeling, but um, but again we have stomachs for a reason. They have visceral sensations for a reason. Um, the less that we neglect that, and the more that we tap in and surrender to that, versus focusing on you know buying organic quinoa or prepping our uh, you know chia puddings for the morning. The one, the more money we're gonna save, and two, the better we're gonna feel anyway.
0: Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Kiki. Now, the two um, quick tips that you provided, I think, can really be very helpful, especially for someone who is busy, who might not have a lot of extra time to you know, tack on one more thing on the to-do list. From sort of that emotional or mental perspective, any type of reframe, you know, so for someone who's maybe going to start and and I'm going to wait until I'm actually hungry, but, you know, there, there might be, you know, you might work in an office setting and your lunch might be from 12 to one, or you might have soccer practice right after school or, you know, these things, life happens. Are there any sort of mental or emotional reframes that you can share that might help them in, you know, going with the ebbs and flow of life? So it's not just another thing to tack on to your your guilt list for the day. Um, Ways that we can be kind to ourselves and care for ourselves in the ways that we're eating, um, that's not going to maybe make us feel worse in the end.
1: Yes. Okay. Great question. And so there's broad ones. And then like the particular examples that you mentioned, I would prefer to use more specific, like as, as specific as we can get for the reframes, so that they make sense to us in our, in, in our circumstance is always best um, as a, as a sort of overarching umbrella, reminding ourselves that food is always available to me and I have my whole life to eat. That one for me was super powerful because I always felt like there was, you know, this kind of urgency or, you know but it's like remembering like, okay, I have my whole life to eat. Even, you know, when making choices, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to try to make the best choice right now. But if I don't make the best choice, because, you know, it ends up not being as delicious as I thought, it's okay. I don't need to head to the cupboard and try to make up for it right now. Like, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll try something a little different, right? So those are kind of more broad ones. Um, For the two particular circumstances that you mentioned, and I think um, they're very common. So I think it's worth touching on them. So let's say you only have a break for lunch, 12 to one. Right. And I get this all the time with my clients. They're like Kiki. Well, like I stuff, I stuff breakfast in my, in my face in the morning, because, you know, I have to on eat the go. before I yeah. go, because then I'm going to be at work. And I was like, well, you know, are you hungry at 8am? Well, no, but uh, you know, I'm not going to get another break until 12. Okay, well, you know, ultimately, it's your choice, you can uh, choose to maybe have a smaller something you don't maybe if you're not hungry and there's not too much space in your stomach, then the best thing to do would to be perhaps have have something small, have a drink to tie yourself over, right? And and also really cutting through the BS of like, is it possible for you to go to work and take a a short break at 10am when you're actually hungry? Can you step out for 10 or 15 minutes and, and have a little breakfast or a little something then? And Oftentimes, it's like, well, yeah, right. So it's like, we want to pretend like we're, you know, totally victim prisoners. But oftentimes, if we make a couple (laughs) little adjustments, we can we can actually attune to um, eating within our rhythms, uh, but if if not, you know, okay, have maybe a little something smaller, and then in that break, you know, it's it's twelve. You're not hungry, but it's the only lunchtime. Again, same deal. Okay, well, maybe can I have a drink to tie myself over until the next time that I that I can have a little something, or can I have something smaller, or can I adjust my lunchtime so that it works better for for my rhythm of my body? Um, And then in terms of that, you know, after school activity. so it's like, okay, do I shove dinner in my face now so that, um, you know, I I can move on with the rest of the things planned? Or can I have it later? We have to catch the rules. A lot of women have, oh, well, I have to have it now because it's bad to eat it late, right? It's like, is it bad to eat at, you know, seven, eight o'clock when you're actually hungry to have something that will then take you to balance? No, it's much more appropriate to wait until, you know, 7 or 7:30 when you're actually hungry, take yourself to a point of balance, not being overly stuffed or full, and then going to sleep and guess what, you're going to be fine. So we also have to catch the rules around, "Oh no, I have to eat now because I can't eat later." I always say, rules of eating always end up leading to overeating, right? And so mm-hmm. it's it's oftentimes that it's always stems from this sort of like, but I can't eat then or later or that that actually ends up making us eat more when we don't actually need to. Um, so really just calling yourself out on on the, the truth and the possible BS that you're putting into it. And I don't mean to, you know, make fun of anyone or anything like that. I say this with uh, like complete empathy, but really catching the truth and finding a new truth that can feel good for you, that can feel truthful, ultimately, um, that you can use to provide comfort for yourself. I, I would jokingly use the one for me, the, to, to me, I would use, you know, okay, I'm not going to die. Sometimes I I'd, I'd feel like I have to eat before like a Zoom call, just in case it like runs late. And I had to, you know, call myself out and be like, hey, Kiki, like if you're hungry for an hour, you're not going to drop dead. Like you're probably going to make it through and then you can eat at the end and you're going to enjoy it more. And, and again, you have to catch everyone is different. For those women that have been depriving themselves for so long, and they're very much from a restrictive uh, standpoint, that we have to be careful. For them, it might be um, a win to actually have a snack with a family member when they're not necessarily super hungry, but there's room in their stomach and, you know, they want to take part in the event. In, In that case, it's like, wow, that's a step forward for them. For the woman who has been buffering with food, you know, and just using food in every circumstance to get through every life situation, the win for her would to be to refuse and say, you know what, I'm good. I'll wait for real hunger. Thank you very much. So we do have to respect the complexity. So I don't want to like paint the picture of like, oh, you always have to wait until you're, you know, super hungry or, you know, always have the bagel because it's worth it. Like It really depends on where you're coming from and what you're working towards.
0: I love it. I love it. And I appreciate so much of how you are approaching it. I mean, a, a lot of what, what I talk about, just even with affirmations, like of, of you know, being, you know, not good or bad, but being true to yourself, I think is, is so beautiful. And like what you're saying, when it comes to our relationships with food and our bodies, it really does stem from you know loving ourselves being true to ourselves and and listening in and actually you know waiting to to get that response of you know what what do i want you know and it and it can be you know from a food perspective or you know a multitude of different perspectives but that's i think you know a beautiful way to to maybe sum it all up and it all just ties together, you know, and I think that's so, so wonderful. Now, Kiki, where can we find you for those of us who are like, okay, I need to know more. I, this is sounding great. This is really landing with me and I need to, you know, take this journey one step further. Where can we find you?
1: Yay. Um, So I am Kiki Athanis, Kiki underscore Athanis on Instagram. I have a website, Kiki Athanis. Um, And on TikTok, I'm Kiki Athanas. I'm basically Kiki Athanas everywhere on Facebook. Um, And uh, yeah, and I have different uh, ways of working with me, both one-on-one. And then I also run a group uh, coaching container for women as well. So uh, yeah, I really look forward to connecting with your audience members who do feel called to, uh, to take the next with intuitive eating, but you know. With my definition, and you have air quotes for <laughs> anyone who's listening. It's air quotes on Twitter reading,
0: but I will put all of those links in the notes for this episode. Kiki, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much. It was so fun.
0: Ah, oh, my friend, how are you feeling? I wonder, and I just, I hope that this has shed a new light on different areas of, you know, how you might be approaching eating or food or that relationship with your body and really has helped you take a grasp on how beautiful and how worthy you are and how you really do have all the tools at your disposal for what's going to work best for you. Now, if what Kiki and I shared in today's conversation resonated with you and you want to learn more, please head to the notes in this podcast episode where you can find more on Kiki and the gut brain integration method. If you liked this episode, if you know someone who needs to hear this and really start practicing intuitive eating from a more mindful and, and intentional perspective, I urge you to share this with them. Feel free to share this in your stories on Instagram and tag me at Andriana G. That's A-N-D-R-Y-A-N-N-A-G. Feel free to write me a quick review. I would love that so much. And until the next time, I love you. Thank you for being here and take good care.